Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for another 24 recap. We're into episode 18 of season one, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. We're getting closer and closer to darkness, which I think is a good thing. Uh, this episode first aired on the 2nd of April, 2002. It was written by Maurice Hurley, directed by Frederick K. Keller. K stands for Kmart because he was a big fan of that apparently and um let's just say this episode's better than the last few weeks so um I actually, well i i gotta say i think that we're starting to get somewhere like this leads into next week and then next week is i think really starting to build some stuff which this is where all of a sudden my memory has gone boom this is why i love this season so we've had a couple of crap episodes we're getting into the good stuff, and I'm going to forget we had crap episodes soon, and I'm going to remember why I love this season so much. My name is Ben, and I'm a friend from San Diego. And my name is Colin, and why can't you be more like Todd from the foster home? <laughs> yeah, Todd from the... Oh, God, I can't <laughs> to get a Todd from the foster home. Kim, Kim sharing her dark stories from her friends about how she understands how Rick has such a terrible <laughs> life. I had a friend who grew up in a foster home. I know what life's like on the streets. Kim, you've had such a hard life. Poor Kim. <laughs> um, I, I think this is a vast improvement from the last two. I'm saying this is a brilliant episode, but I mean, it's not that hard to be a vast improvement from the last couple of weeks. I mean, I've been the last two, so, um, you know, I think Terry forgetting things is like literally on the back foot in this episode. <laughs> you barely even literally remember it, no pun intended. So um, I was wrong. I think I said last week that it kind of comes to a conclusion this week. It's next week, it's so we're going to put Mark with it. But... Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, there's some terrible acting in this episode. There's one actor in cool. here. I don't even know how he got an acting job. Um, Kim has some drama at a house. Um, Kim makes out. And we get the emergence of Sherry Palmer at her perfect best. And I'm going to say this right now. Again, selling Sherry is evil. Is she? <laughs> like, is what she does wrong? I don't know. Um, anyway, Colin, I've given a vast of rave opinions as I smash the microphone. Apparently, I'm getting very animated today. What's your initial thoughts on episode 18? <laughs> I'm animated too. I can get loud too. <laughs> hey, Sandra. Uh, wow. I am not as high on it as you are. I, there's issues I have with this episode that don't even necessarily have to do just with this episode itself, but sort of what this episode became a problem, which I sort of alluded towards last week. Uh, but Sherry is the saving grace. Oh, I think that there you. is, there's so many moments. Like I remembered there's one thing in this episode, which I absolutely hated when it first aired and rewatching it now, I still absolutely hate it. 
it's not the Cougar. I'm not saying it's as bad as the Cougar, but I'm saying there, there are a couple of things that happen in the first couple seasons where rationally you wouldn't think of that as a Cougar size moment, but there's something about it that just rubs me the wrong way. And I think one of the bad actors you're referring to is part of my problem, but uh, there's other issues with it as well, which I'm, I'm very excited to get into to see if uh, you even agree with me on some of these problems. Well, I mean, I, I the problems I have in this episode are Terry and Kim. So let's get them over and done with because they really bring nothing to this. Um, and this, is this again, is like what I think I said a few weeks back. Like, there's really nothing you can do with Kim and Terry. I'm not blaming the actors. They've given what... I mean, you know, we talked about Leslie Hope last week and it's not Alicia Cuthbert's fault either. I mean, Alicia Cuthbert, actually, for what she's got, is doing pretty good. Like, I mean, she's still a relatively new actor. So, like, she's... Again, I feel like I've been praising Leslie Hope a lot. But i got to praise Alicia Cuthbert. Like, she's got crap material to work with, but she she makes it believable. She's not terrible until she gets to that line, is it, in a couple of weeks of, bring it on! Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I mean, Meryl Streep couldn't make that line work, let's be honest. Um, but, so Kim is at Rick's place. They're going through Dan's room. Um, Melissa, Melinda, Teresa, whatever her name is. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? Mel- Melissa? Melinda, Melanie, uh, Melanie, Madonna. Um, <laughs> gives with an M. Um, the, the better option, Melanie. as we said last week. Melanie, yeah, exactly. And, and Melanie's right. Like she's just watching them go through uh, Dan's room. Like you know, just going through there, going through the drawer, extra, extra large condoms. You know, just kind of all that sort of stuff. Um, and I don't know what they're trying to find. And Melanie, rightfully so, is just like, oh. Dan's going to be pissed when he gets home. And, of course, it's like, ooh, Rick hasn't told her that Dan's dead. Ooh, drama. Um, and then we later find out that Dan's brother's coming over, who is, uh, what's his name? Is it Melanie? Melissa? Frank? <laughs> Melinda? <laughs> is it is it Frank? Why am I thinking Frank? Is it Frank? Um, uh, yeah, Frank Allard. Played Frank, by yes. the esteemed Eduardo Ballerini. Oh, yes, him. And we know this show needed a brother for Dan at this point. How are we going to fill the void of Dan being gone? Let's bring in his brother. Like, I think you mentioned about how you didn't think Rick came back or that. But, like, I mean, okay, like, I kind of like it in the fact that you're still tying it into the stuff earlier. I like the continuity that, again, this is in one day. So, like, of course, there's got to be some sort of connection to Dan. We haven't just completely forgotten about Dan. And, like, say, Janet, Kim, are you mourning your friend? (laughs) Your best friend died today and you're still concerned over Rick and his sexy open chest. Yeah, we're (laughs) on four weeks of her being like, please, please, don't let Rick go to jail for this. Please, let's help Rick. How about Janet? I know that if this was you... Colin, if this was you and I, and you and I ended up in a furniture store with two hot women, and, like, you're my best friend, and then you ended up dying because I'm hooking up with sexy, blonde Regina, um, I'm clearly forgetting about you only, like, eight hours later, basically. Oh, well, <laughs> Colin was fun while he lasted. Do you have some secret Mean Girls fantasies or something? Who's who's sexy, Ooh. blonde Virginia here? <laughs> I, I would be down for that. That Yeah, absolutely. We all have Mean Girls fantasies. Come on. That's... Um, <laughs> You'd watch that porn. Don't deny it. Um, so Kim and Rick kiss because that makes sense because Melanie's just oh. in the other room. Like, Rick is the worst. I'm sorry. Kim's the worst. Like, she's in the other room. Like, seriously. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I'm not. I'm on Team Melanie. I want a T-shirt. Team Melanie. Yeah. Like, remember remember when people in, like, the early 2000s had a Team Bra- a team Angelina or a Team Jennifer T-shirt? Like, mm. I want my Team Melanie T-shirt from 2001. <laughs> um, 
Frank shows up. He's all creepy with his weird door knocky fucking necklace thing. And he's all, they're waiting for a deal or something. And he's all like, yeah, no one's leaving until Dan gets here. Because reasons. Like, I don't know yeah. her. Like, so well, if you don't know her, then let her go. Like, it makes no sense. Like, this is, this actually, like, I get it. This is kind of the cougar moment. Like, you're just adding drama to Kim for the sake of adding drama to it. Like, literally let her go. Let her go back to her home. And I would rather her be in danger with her mum at their house next episode than her just being held up for whatever. Like, there's no reason to keep her in this house. There is no yeah. reason to keep her in this house. It's just adding pointless drama so she can end up in jail. Oh. Um, so that's basically the Kim storyline. And let's just add the Terry storyline to it. Um, he's uh, So this doctor guy um, is not a doctor, but he's a surgeon. I love how he's like, are you a doctor? Sort of. He's A, a surgeon's a doctor, <laughs> right? Like, I'm sorry, but like if I'm dying, um, like I'm lost. Jack is a back surgeon. Like... A spinal surgeon. No one says to him, are you a doctor? Well, sort of. I'm actually a surgeon. Like, you know more like a, than a regular doctor. So, yes. <laughs> it's not like in a Santa Claus. Like, he's not a doctor. He's a psychiatrist. Yeah. yeah. Like, like he knows more. He's had to study more. He knows more about the body if he's a surgeon. Like, he knows more. So, he gets a lot more money. So, <laughs> no wonder Terry was trying to get into his pants or he was trying to get into her pants because... This is a great backstory we learn. He's like, oh, we we're good friends. I wanted more, but you didn't want to. And I respected that. And like, whoop-de-doo, Basil. I don't <laughs> care. Like, I really don't care. And again, love you, Leslie Hope. You're such a great person. You're so good to our show. You're such an amazing woman. But you're struggling with this material. When you have mm-hmm. to all of a sudden just be like, no, no, I don't want to go to the hospital. Like, I just don't know why, but I just don't want to go to the hospital. Like, again, Meryl Streep couldn't make that work. I'm sorry. Like, it's just, oh, it's, it's, you're literally creating danger to have danger and they're going to go back to a house. Did they actually end up at a house this episode or is that not till next week? Oh, I tuned out by the end of her story. Oh, they, they arrive at the house at the very end of the episode and because. Do we see um, the guy there? Secondary sexy assassin man yeah. is there. And oh, the CTU <laughs> agent has showed up and the sexy secondary agent man has shot um, the, the agent. Oh. So. Did he get a theme song? Secondary sexy agent, man. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, oh, and uh, the doctor guy, when he examines Terry, oh, I don't like what I see. It looks like you've been roughed up. Anything other pain? Oh, I've got to start pain in my stomach. <laughs> That's hmm, Kim and Terry Are you pregnant? <laughs> Have you been raped today by a man called Eli? Because remember, rape can wait. Um <laughs> So, anyway, uh, that's the Kim and Terry stuff. Literally all there is to talk about. The Terry stuff especially is such a throwaway. Like, we don't get anywhere. I think that's one of the new problems I discovered that I have with this episode is that not only is it irrelevant and we're not interested, we could have cut Terry out from this episode completely and not lost anything. All we learn is, hey, we're going to go to my house. That's easy enough to tack on the other episode, especially when the other episode, as I said, was only two scenes with Terry. It's just, it's it's so useless. Uh, the Kim stuff, oh, wow, this is so bad. And it's not even the necessarily, okay, it is the worst stuff in the episode. It is the most nonsensical stuff in this episode, but there's still going to be more bad to come. So, uh, I mean, get ready. I think I think you know, we're going to be disagreeing maybe at the end of this. Uh, a, the... The condescending tone she has with the, the, her and her friend, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Foster Home. Oh. Um, Todd. 
Oh, to- oh yeah, I forget oh. about that bit. Sorry, I, I yeah. gelled over that bit. That was I was gonna I was gonna have a big thing to say about that. You go ahead, but yeah, absolutely, yeah. I forgot yeah, about. I, I, thought that was, yeah. I had a friend named Todd, and of course she's got to mention my name. I'm very proud of Todd. Todd turned his life around. He had a rough upbringing. Like she knows nothing about Rick, literally nothing. She has come into this house and made assumptions that a he's an orphan now, <laughs> b. Yep. He's a drug dealer, you know, see that he's a low life and needs to turn his life around. He saved your life. We don't know anything. He could have just, he could have legitimately been a friend of Dan's that yeah. said, oh, you know what? I've got a double date for you. And he's just along for the ride. But now you come in here all condescending, you know, you foster kids, you know, <laughs> I know that you got it rough, but some of you foster kids are able to turn themselves around. Be more like Todd. Because you see, like, she looks and she sees, like, scales on the tables. So that must automatically yeah. mean they're drug dealers. What if they're, like, math students and they're trying to, like, oh. work out the weight differential What if they're on a math? diet and they're exactly. just weighing their, they're weighing their protein? Like, come on. Rick's in it, good shape. He's, he's like, just a healthy guy. I, it's... It, it is. I completely forgot. I thought the Todd bit was in the next episode for some reason. But like, I do love it when Kim's all like, you know, like, oh, you, you've got everything, Rick. And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> you're, you're smart. You're intelligent. No, you're, you're, you're good, good looking. looking, and you're funny. Oh, he's got everything. Like seriously, yeah, I, that's, that's I'm all you funny. need. In life. I'm somewhat good looking. I think. <laughs> I've, you know, got stuff going for me and I'm not that smart, but I mean, does that mean Alicia Cuthbert's into me? Like, I mean, I've got a chance. If this is true, why haven't you come on the show, Alicia? Exactly. But yeah, no, you're so right. Like this whole story of like (laughs) Kim trying to relate to the guy from the other side of the tracks. My friend Todd, he was in two foster homes and now we got a, he got a, a scholarship to Stanford. Like, so basically every kid who's been in foster care is a delinquent. Like, yeah, seriously. Exactly. <laughs> there is no such thing as a good foster care story ever. Nah, you're all bad. You're delinquents. Oh, but he got a scholarship to Stanford. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Foster care. Go on. Um, you know, we, yeah, we, we, we had like, what, what was what was your Melanie shirt you came up with? Team Melanie. Hashtag Team Melanie. Melanie. All right. So so uh, let's not do a Team Todd. Let's just do a Be Like Todd shirt. It'll be like the Be Like Mike campaign. Be Like Todd. <laughs> be Like Todd. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. No, but we... We got to make these secondary characters. Then we got Janet, Melanie, Todd. Well, this it does kind of go back. Like, if anything, they're they're con- they're continuing on something with Kim because I mean, we we saw this earlier on this season, like in the very when Janet was still alive. Oh, I remember when Janet was still alive. Um, and they see that <laughs> that male prostitute, and he's all like, you know, oh, you think you've got problems? Like, please, we're being chased by men, and we're like, are we meant to feel sorry for you? This poor kid's literally sucking some random guy's dick to make ends meet, and you're yeah. going, oh, we're being chased. <laughs> I just wanted him to be like, hey, look, I grew up in foster care, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I just want Kim to use this story all the time now. Like when yeah. she sees a, she sees a cougar. Cougar, don't attack me. I've got a friend, Todd. He, he's in two foster <laughs> homes. And now he's got a, a scholarship to Stanford. Like, don't eat me. You can you can grow up too. You see, they're all going for you, cougar. You know, you're smart. You're good looking. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're funny. funny. And where was this Todd story when she could have turned around the life of the male prostitute? That's exactly. the guy who needs your help. Rick is funny, good looking, <laughs> intelligent, health conscious. He weighs his protein, you know, he watches his diet. This a is a body. guy who's got it together. Yeah. You know what? Save your foster kids stories for the male prostitutes who really need the help and really need the pick me up. Oh, Kim. Wow. <laughs> 
here I was. I mean, again, Alicia Cuthbert does a good job, though. Like, she's not a bad actor. But um, <laughs> There will anyway. be a bad actor to come, though. But uh, Oh, is there? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I hate, hate, hate this, this drug dealer storyline. And I, I will say, Frank, he's not, he's not terrible. He's good. He's got an intimidating presence, I guess. But why do we need Dan's brother just coming in all of a sudden? This is, it's almost like what you do when you don't have good ideas for sequels. But now they're in the second half of the season. Like, we don't got a good idea for a sequel for Kim. Where's Kim part two? What are we going to do? How about <laughs> Dan's brother? Now we've got a revenge plot. And then poor Melanie. Like, we know what Melanie's going to, you know, do later on. Again, I'm not blaming Melanie. She is literally in the other room. First, the audacity of Rick to make out with another girl when his girlfriend is in the other room. And yep. Kim... Now she is literally the worst person on this season. We have terrorists on this season, but Kim has no respect for this nice girl who has taken her in, paid her cab fare, <laughs> let her crash on her couch or whatever she's doing, and she's getting it on with her boyfriend 20 feet away. And he, she wants his car. Like, yeah, exactly. Look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you pay for my cab? Can I borrow your car? Jesus, you're such a freeloader, Kim. What would Todd do in this situation, all right? Todd never freeloaded, did he? Think about yeah, Todd. You know, there are some good foster kids out there who don't act as bad as Kim. So, you know, Kim, you're worse than foster kids. Yeah, Kim. Jesus. Um, wow. We're, we're not even after the cootie yet. We're already <laughs> ragging. Bring it on. Um, Bring it on. Uh, so, basically, let's do the Palmer drama. Because, uh, actually, like, oh, you mentioned... Was it last week or the week before you mentioned about how kind of... And I think I was with you too. Like I was bagging out the Palmer drum, but like the more it gets on, the more actually like I'm also really getting into it yeah. and thinking like, okay. Um, and like, maybe that's what I kind of remember. Cause I remember I defended Palmer a lot more at the beginning. Cause I remember you <laughs> saying like, Oh, you know, like this is, his they should have waited. Yeah. I, I, I should have waited. I, yeah. But I think that's where I came from because that's what I was saying at the beginning of this episode that I remember like when we get to these final episodes, like I just remember it really kind of just gets to a point. Like, like, I've obviously pre-watched next week already. But, like, I know next week on the grand scheme of things isn't an amazing episode of 24. But there's so much to next week that just underlies the remainder of the season that gets me like, holy fuck, I just want to keep watching. Like, it, I really am hooked. And, again, we're not going to rate next week as one of the best episodes of this season. This is an episode to me which kind of is almost like a prequel to that. And, like, I've got a lot of vibes of this episode where I'm getting excited. Like, oh, okay. And a lot of that comes from the Palmer stuff because... You know, we, we mentioned last week that Sherry's kind of been absent for a lot of this, and she's kind of just popped in every now and then. And this is really the first time you get, oh, Sherry will do anything. Like, we got that earlier on where kind of, like, Sherry knew about Keith and that sort of stuff. But, you know, little undertones of, like, Sherry can do whatever she wants. You know, she wants the power and all that sort of stuff. And they kind of ramp it up to full throttle in this episode. So David plays the tape to Mike and Sherry. And uh, basically... I'm team Sherry and team Mikey. They're mm -hmm. basically like, like, what do we do with this? And it's like, well, we don't do anything. Um, <laughs> you know, like, uh, the campaign is over. If you do anything, it is dead. Yeah. And Mike, Mike says like, you know, well, that's not admissible in court. And Palmer's like, well, you know, we can take this to the media. Um, and <laughs> Sherry makes the amazing point where she's like, you know, this is either going to be about you getting the nomination for the democratic party, which I think is the first time we officially get confirmation that he's the democratic uh, candidate possibly. Um, I think that gets forgotten about because I know late in later seasons when you've got like Logan and all that sort of stuff, people are like, Oh, he's a Republican, but they never actually flat out mention it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So that's just something that I, I I always felt they like never officially said what parties they're from, but you're meant to believe Palmer's Democrat and yeah, but this they do say it. Uh, but Sheriff's like, yeah, it's either about you winning the primary and securing the nomination for the Democratic Party, or it's about your family drama, basically a scandal. Which again, Sherry's completely true there with that. And then even Mike, the way basically he you know talks about how well this actually is currency. This could protect you when you're in the White House. Like you will have power over these people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what did you see? Like you'll have evidence against the most powerful men in the country. Um, so like again, I agree with both Sherry and and Mike here. I think they've got an absolutely good point. But having said that, having said that, I gotta say when Palmer does what Palmer does next episode. Like, I kind of almost weirdly... Like, it's kind of weird how you can kind of agree with both sides because Palmer, I think, takes away... He does what he said he's going to do and then he kind of comes out on top and you finally get this sort of level of morality that Palmer is and why we love Palmer so much. So as much as we've been, I guess, struggling with Palmer kind of being kind of in the wrong and really just, you know, going all over the shop, I think, again, this sets up really well for what we're going to get. Um, Sherry says you should destroy the tape. Palmer's like, no. Um, he has a nice little chat with Keith uh, on the balcony, which I think it's a really well shot scene, that one. I love it when they do the multicams when you've kind of got, like, the the boxes and you've kind of got one angle of one person's face and you've got, like, mm. you've got two, like, two angles. So you've got this kind of view of Palmer through the window and then a front-on view. It's really, really good. Um, he's basically, you know telling Keith that, you know, I'm going to do what I can and sort of basically preparing him for saying, like, this is what's going to happen if, you know, I, I come forward with this. And it's a nice little moment when Keith is like, you know, oh, earlier when I said that you weren't there for me, I was just saying that to make an excuse. And then Palmer's all like, oh, no, it's fine. I've not been there. And it's going to change. I, like, I think Palmer's kind of like Jack Bauer. He makes promises that he can't keep because, like, if you're not there for him when you're a senator and you're about to become the president of the United States... <laughs> Like, like, I mean, I know you've not really been busy today, David, apparently. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but like when you're the president, like, you know, uh, I'm sure we can get one of the a president's kid on this show. How much did you see your dad? Oh, every day. Like, you know, George oh, Bush. I don't think, I, he basically worked part time. That's it. Yeah. 9-11 <laughs> happened. He was, he was getting ready and he's like, no, no, I've got to hang out with the kids. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Remember the, the Bush twins? They were hot. Um, probably still are. <laughs> I don't know what happened to them. I had a mad crush as a kid on Chelsea Clinton. Um, who do you think you got? Chelsea Clinton? <laughs> Chelsea Clinton. <laughs> Chelsea Grammer. Chelsea Grammer. Uh, so it's a nice little moment. And then, like, one of my... F- I always forget how much I love this sequence. Like, Sherry's on the phone. Oh. She's uh, talking to somebody. She sees David hand an envelope to Patty with the tape in it. Uh, Patty puts it in the safe. And then basically Sherry sneaks around and gets the tape out of the safe and sits down on the couch and is looking at the the tape like, ooh, what's she going to do? Like, Penny Johnson, Gerald, holy crap. Like, finally we're getting to see her just shine here. She's so good. And then we come straight back from the ad break and we see David coming in, old fluffy bear, and basically goes straight to the safe and the tape is missing and Sherry's all like, I destroyed it. And then she doesn't even say that. You know, don't gloss over the fact that she basically is reading her newspaper with all those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, I just love this whole sequence. Like, it's so tense. Like, I would put this up for a possible nomination in the top five, but it won't make it because we've got other ones Mm. that are way better than this. Well, let's just say this is an honourable mention because I just love the way that both of these two act off each other. Because it's like I remember watching this for the first time. 
and thinking like, oh, Sherry, you evil thing. And like, oh, no, she didn't. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) David has got the real tape. <gasps> like, plot twist. Like, like, and he, the way he kind of says, like, you know what hurts my feelings or breaks my heart is that I was right about you. And that, like, he did this because he thought that she was going to do this. And the facial acting from Dennis Hasbert here is just amazing. That, that deadpan sort of disappointed look he's got in his face. Like, holy crap. Um, and... Yeah, like, it's just such a great scene between these two. And this is, again, the first time you're all like, oh, Sherry, like, what have you done? And Palmer storms out. It's like, I want a press conference in half an hour, damn it. Um, and, you know, get it happening on the hour. Like, everything's got to be a mad rush. But- Give me press conference commands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Press conference command now. Hello, press conference command. Um Oh, it's so good. Like, I just, I love, like, the Palmer stuff is ramping up. Holy crap. Yeah. And there's some amazing, like, there's a Palmer scene next week, which I will nominate for a for a possible top five, even though there is one definite Palmer scene, which I will get fucking mad at you, Colin Hilding, if it does not make the top five <laughs> of this season. Uh, and we're still, we're still a few episodes away from it. But, um, oh, it's so good. At, the, at, the, at this point, are we just going to have a top five and then we're going to have a Sherry top five? Like, is that... <laughs> Can we just can we just do a spin-off Sherry Oz? Like I just, yeah, I just <laughs> drinking Sherry while talking about Sherry. Yeah, I I love this scene. Like I was going to say the same thing. Like this is a possible top 5 scene if depending on how the rest of the season shakes out. I know about half of our list is taken up from the finale already. We haven't even gotten there. Uh but everything about this scene works and it is it i'm gonna back what i said earlier it is the one saving grace of this episode because there's nothing else good in this episode but this one scene almost makes me forgive it don't give me teddy hanlon okay (laughs) i'm not gonna accept Uh, i'm not not gonna i'm not gonna defend him but i'm gonna defend stuff (laughs) around that so yeah well we'll see uh but um yeah, we talked about how David was the world's worst politician uh, or second worst politician, sorry. But this episode kind of proves because David, he's doing something here. He's making a decision that is not only going to end his campaign, not only going to cost the jobs of all the people, he's basically demanding. It's like, I want a press conference now. Him releasing this tape period is going to end their campaign, put everybody out of work. Now, let's just put that aside and pretend he's doing the honest thing here. What is this going to accomplish? All it's going to accomplish is his son is now going to be, you know, all over the news. And like you said, it's not admissible in court. Oh, we're going to start a smear campaign on Carl. Nobody knows Carl. You tell me if the media got a hold of this story, he plays this tape. Are they going to attach themselves to some random guy named Carl that is just the voice on the other line that may or may not even be doctored or the son of the future president of the United States? This does nothing. It accomplishes nothing. Like, it is a stupid move. Can I just jump in really quickly to point out how it doesn't do anything? In the lead up to 2016, Donald Trump was caught on tape saying that he grabs women by the pussy and he got elected as the president of the United States. Mm. So, I mean... You know know what this does? This, This guarantees Keith is the next candidate after David steps oh. down. Like, you just locked it up. <laughs> we, we know 24 has a Palmer family tradition of presidents, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they ever reboot 24, we know Valicious Shannon is coming back as the third Palmer president. <laughs> but, but, I mean, Sherry, I don't think this is one of our things where we're just praising the villain and saying the villain kind of has a point. She 100% has a point. Now, yeah. Are her motives exactly, I want to keep our family safe, or are her motives, I want to get us in the White House? 
as far as I'm concerned, that's irrelevant what her motives are. She still has a point. She's arguing her point well. If she is 100% full of it here, she's arguing her point brilliantly. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to gloss over the... I was going to say her line? line where she says, I will do anything to protect my family. Like, wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And maybe that is a line from her, but still, if that's just a line from her, that almost makes her even better, you know? Uh, yeah. This is, yeah, this is where Sherry becomes the star. So uh, Palmer drama, 100% behind it now. Uh, I still maintain, I think that we could have gotten away with not having Palmer just talking about him. Maybe we're following Maureen Kingsley for a few episodes in the first half of the season. Then you just have that impact of them coming in because everything here is fine. I just don't think, I still don't think we needed such a slow build with it to get here. That's where I still disagree. I, I kind of think, like, it's a payoff. I think that, yeah, I can see what you're saying, but, like, at the same time, I don't know. Like, it, while it was a bit tedious to begin with, like, Keith and the Tube and all this kind of stuff, but, like, I don't know. It, 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 it adds more weight to it. Like, this is where, again, I will, you know, universally defend this season, even though it's got some real crap in it, is that, like, I still feel without this season... Jack Bauer is a different character. Like, if we just see him straight away just, you know, shooting people, taking numbers, not giving a shit, he's just a badass. Like, does Walker, Texas Ranger ever get a background story to his, <laughs> you know, thing? I don't think so. Like, everyone talks about Chuck Norris being a badass. Like, I know Jack Bauer's, you know, past and why he is how he is. I think that works better. And same with Palmer. I think that without Palmer knowing this about him and that, I think it, I don't know. That's just me. I, I, I'm starting to get all defensive of season one again, even after the last few episodes, <laughs> because like, I just, I know, I just, I remember 14 year old, 15 year old Ben watching this live and just being like, like, and I think we'll talk about it in the coming weeks. Like the experience about watching this live, like I know I've talked about it, say with Survivor and that in the past, but I can't remember a show that I have gotten that wound up and excited on each week, uh, particularly mm. for the end of this season. Like, I really can't remember a show that I got that excited for that, like, I was counting, like, fuck, two days or 24s on, you know what I mean? And then yeah. just how ex- I remember the finale. Like, watching the finale of this season was like, you know, uh, like, turn everything off, do not disturb mm. me. Like, you know, like, it was just, yeah. And I think I've only ever gotten that from Survivor. Um, so, um, yeah, so... Anyway, we'll get through that. But um, I, I, the one thing actually that was interesting I read in the official guide about um, this Palmer situation was that the original story was actually that Palmer killed the um, the Lyle Gibson kid, not Keith. So the original plan Ooh. was for Palmer, he was the murderer, and this would be like the you know the political cover up, and also that Dennis Haysbert wasn't the like the creators wanted him. Uh, Howard Gordon said that like they got him into Reed and they they were like yeah that's that's our Palmer but the network didn't want him so they had to fight to get Dennis Haysbert to to be on board so um yeah it's it's interesting to me that um I mean that would have been interesting if Palmer was the killer but um they they actually it says yeah. in the book that basically from this storyline and I agree with it kind of like that Palmer is the moral center of this show. And I think that's important to note. And that, yeah, I agree with you that he's kind of like a pretty shitty politician. And that, yeah, I agree that, you know, Mike and Sherry are right here. They should be covering up. But I still will argue that next week when we see the press conference, particularly after this dinner scene, which I think is amazing, um, I think how Palmer does it, 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 it does it in a way where I can kind of forgive him for being a shitty politician, if that makes mm. sense. Like he does it in uh, such a way where I'm, if I'm a voter, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm still voting for you, you big huggy bear. <laughs> Angry bear, uh, David. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm, just, I'm all of a sudden getting defensive of this season. 
after bagging it out for how many weeks? Oh, remind me in season six how shit this was. Um, but I don't know. So I, I, I flicked a switch in my head. Um, so let's get to CTU and Teddy. Um, I guess Tony and Tony and Mason. We have a bit of drama at CTU. I mean, again, Mason's a hundred percent right here. You know, he's like, don't tell Jack. Um, and then like Jack's calling up Tony and is all like, Hey, put me through to the safe house. Oh, put you on to Mason. Mason, put me through to the safe house. Uh, no, they're sleeping. Okay. Um, which again, like I get it. They're painting that Mason is the bad guy for the next, like however many weeks you are so believing Mason's the bad guy. Like it's that mm-hmm. simple. They do everything in their power to be like Mason's evil, Mason's evil, Mason's evil. Um, so there's all that. But then this Teddy stuff, like, first of all, Jack at the hotel still, uh, Palmer comes down and yells at Jack, like, girl, why, you know, she didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, sir, I believe you, but we also got a video of her shoving a letter opener into his stomach. <laughs> um, they've got to find um, money. So they find, was it, Barabons, basically, just as good as money and easier to transfer. Um, and Jack's walking around in his blood sh- blood soaked shirt. So we asked, was it like John or something to come over and swap Jay, shirts? And Jay. this is the guy. Okay, so we got to pause for a second. Uh, I teased last week that one of the people we interviewed gave us a story about somebody, and okay. it's this guy here. So this guy who plays Jay, he's actually a crew member. He, his name is Sterling Rush. Oh, he so was he's the- Sterling Rush. He's a photographer. Yeah. Well, he's he's the the prop the prop master on the show. Right. 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 So. Uh, when we did the, uh, or when I did the, I don't know if you even heard it yet, the, the Karina Arieva interview for who played Jamie, yep. she gave an amazing Kiefer Sutherland story about, uh, and she did, she did say on there, it's like, I wonder if I should give his name. And then she didn't follow it up, but it wasn't until I was editing the episode that I realized she drops the name Sterling, which I don't know if how many Sterlings were working on 24. <laughs> so I'm going to assume it's this guy, but Basically, her story was about, you go back and listen to the interview, it was about uh, Kiefer Sutherland kind of loaning his Porsche out to try to get these two kids together, Karina and <laughs> Sterling Rush. <laughs> and this is the guy. This is him. Wow. Because I, when I found the name, I looked it up, and he's had two cameos in 24. This episode here where he gives his shirt to Jack, <laughs> and then another one eight seasons later. Oh, Wow, so he's like he returns to give another shirt to somebody. If, well, he plays a different character in season eight. That would be great oh. if they brought him. Jay, Jay, give me a shirt. <laughs> that should just be a recurring thing every season. Jay, give me a shirt. <laughs> give me shirt command. Where's Jay? <laughs> <laughs> you know Todd, who grew up in foster care, he would have. <laughs> he'd give a shirt now that he's got a uh, scholarship at Stanford. Um, <laughs> Nina and Jack have a conversation in the car about Terry. Cool, and then we arrive at the plaza. And it's all like, what's what's this guy's name? The stupid shooter guy, Teddy Hanlon. Uh, T- Teddy Hanlon. Teddy. Uh. Teddy's on point. <laughs> Damn it, not Teddy. No. <laughs> this is this is on level with the drug dealer stuff. This is so bad. I like this scene. I, I, oh. I like this setup. Hang on, hang on. Let me back up. I don't like Teddy. I don't <laughs> like how you meet Teddy and straight away he's like. Hang on, I'll try and act as well as Teddy. <clears throat> Sorry, I got to get myself alone. Acting, acting, one, two, one, two. <clears throat> hey, Jack, I haven't seen you since you put my partner away in jail. <laughs> like, the thing that makes it glaringly that he's a bad actor 
is you have Kiefer Sutherland acting like Kiefer Sutherland. Like, he's not bringing himself down to this guy's level. This is like Meryl Streep. Why am I bringing mm. up Meryl Streep so much? It's like Meryl <laughs> Streep. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Is Meryl Streep playing Regina in your Mean Girls fantasies? Whoa. Wow. She she will be now. Um, but this is like Meryl Streep acting opposite Noah. Like, I mean, there's just no comparison. Like, you just can't compare. This is like if if I played one-on-one with Michael Jordan. Like, I'm going to get my yeah. ass whooped. Like, Keith Sutherland and this guy. Like... Keith is like bringing it all to the table here. Like, damn it, damn it, damn it, I'm Kiefer. And this guy's just like, hey, Jack, I haven't <laughs> seen you since we last did this thing. Um, I hate the Teddy stuff. It's crap. Like, I hate it how he's like in the ear and he's all like, hey, so did you hear? Oh, sorry, hang on. <clears throat> hey, did you hear what happened to George's <laughs> wife? She killed him herself. Like, whatever. After and then, like, you put away her husband, it need I remind you again. <laughs> it basically then turns into, I'm going to dob on you, or I'm going to tittletail on you and go to the teacher. Because then Nina's like, George, Teddy's being mean to Jack. What can we do? <laughs> oh, it's all right, Nina. Teddy, behave yourself or you'll get detention. <laughs> yes, Mr. Mason. Did did like I don't like that. That's shit. And then Teddy's eventually going to shoot the guy and go against orders because drama. I do like the whole like I like the kind of tension of like Jack with the briefcase and looking around. And I like the moment when he kind of you know it's like hey to the guy in the red cap and the guy in the red cap is like the dumbest guy ever. Like it takes him <laughs> how long to realize that this guy doesn't have an accent. Like I already told you where we're going. We're gonna turn the power off and. Sector 7G. Yeah. Like, I swear he says After, Sector 7G. <laughs> After last week with Keepers, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like, it's amazing he lasted three seconds face-to-face with him. Um, but I, I weirdly like it, and I like the tension at the end, although I don't understand when Jack's chasing after the guy in the red cap, how all these people up the stairs like like falling over scared. Like I was trying to see, like, is Jack carrying a gun at this point? No one's got a gun. Why are people scared? Like I, I go to shopping centers and see little shit kids running around. I go, ah, they're running around. Ah! Like go, people oh scared God, running. He's got, he's got a taquito. Get down. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a red cap. Oh my God, he's a Red Sox fan. Um, just I don't know why they're running. He gets shot. He falls down. Damn it! I told you not to shoot. Um. So, but come on, how can you not like the tension of this? Jack Bauer pulls out a chair for a little old lady. Come on. (laughs) Like, that's one of my favorite Jack Bauer scenes ever. Like, (laughs) oh, there we go. Buy it. That that, that wasn't even in the script. Keeper Sutherland was just like, oh, here you go, ma'am. Oh, thank you, uh, Jack Bauer. (laughs) That was, oh, I mean, look, I get what you're going to say. Again, Nina does nothing in this episode. Like, Nina's kind of useless. A couple of bad episodes for Nina, but uh, she will make up for that. Don't worry. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know. Like, outside of the crappy Teddy stuff, I actually don't mind this stuff. Like, it's it's tense. I like this more than the car chase that you liked, um, like, two weeks ago. So... A, one of the big problems is, like I mentioned last week, they've gotten to territory at this point in the season where they're almost getting scared of, will the audience stick with us for long story arcs? Because this has never really been done before. So they're quickly transitioning into, here's the story of the week. And this is like the most blatant story of the week with, uh, I mean, mostly with Teddy, but even with, oh, we got another guy we're tracking. Oh, he's dead too. Like (laughs) it just becomes one too many times and we got our lead and oh, it's over at the end of the week. 
by I, I'm pretty sure it's season two. We'll see. Eventually, this will become if you bring in a suspect or a MacGuffin that you're chasing, it's a four episode arc usually, three to four episodes. At this point, they're like, we're going to give it one and a third at maximum. Um, mm. But I will give you, if you took Teddy Hanlon out of this completely, not even just the actor. I actually wrote in my notes, is this a bad actor or a badly written character? But I do think it's both. It's the uh, actor, maybe this mainly. <laughs> I mean, Come on. It, it, maybe he's in Leslie Hope territory too, though. I mean, because I don't know who's going to pull off Teddy Hanlon either. It's It's basically amnesia for Jack. Oh, we just have to randomly bring in this character that has a grudge against Jack. And I think that they they sort of explain this away in the next episode, but then Teddy's just done after that. Um, but it's just it's so pointless. Like they're just they're getting nervous thinking the audience isn't gonna stick with them. So let's throw this dumb story in there about some jaded other agent. And and just Teddy's actions are completely absurd too. Like who is going to risk their job over this and murder a, a person they don't even know? Oh, I'm going to get back at Jack. If he was that dumb and that crooked, wouldn't he be behind bars and not his partner? It's just everything about this Teddy Hanlon story ruins what otherwise would have been a great scene. I do like that this was all done on location too and broad daylight. Mm. I know you're getting cited for nighttime, but <laughs> some of these action sequences in broad daylight, like the car chase, and this one in particular, we have so much of a crowd around them really enhances what – Teddy Hanlon does his best to bring down. Which I think one, it's I, I know we sort of loosely mentioned a bit before about like sort of some of the shots in the earlier episodes on LA and kind of that sort of stuff. But I think that is a, a thing that we should really play up a lot more in some of these episodes is the use of the location. You know, they're not just shooting this on a soundstage and it, like certain stuff's on a soundstage in the set, of course it is. But like LA becomes a big part of this show. I, I know on our third watch coverage, we talked about how much New York plays a part in that show. And then we try to talk about it in Nip Tuck, how they kind of try to play Miami into it. They kind of forget they're in Miami and then they eventually bugger off to LA and it doesn't really change that much. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, because LA is what? The, the main setting for the first six seasons. Um, and then kind of there's obviously the big shift for the last two seasons when they go to Washington and New York. But yeah, LA is definitely a key part of this show and some of the, the locations that they do use, like even last week when they went to Griffith Observatory or the week before, whenever it was, um, you know, famous locations that they do use in this in the show. So, yeah, I think it is a good point. But um, I like I get what you're saying, but like I think that this just like it's building to something again. Like I think it goes to a point where it's almost like they know where they're going now. So they're kind of they at least know what this is leading. But this doesn't to. go anywhere. The, the Teddy but, Hanlon thing doesn't go anywhere. Well, the Teddy thing doesn't. Like the, the Teddy thing is like. So what I mean by that is like the story of getting the briefcase to find out that they're shutting the power off because it, it's 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 giving you clues like each week it's like you know this this is in that era of television when we're about to get lost and every week it's like oh collect the clues and you yeah. know it's going to be to a bigger picture so again this is like giving you a clue because then you're going to go to sector seven G or whatever it is next week <laughs> and then Smithers is going to be there <laughs> sorry that's one of our, our workers in sector seven G um, Simpson eh. Um, so- <laughs> 
I swear he says Sector 7G. Uh, <laughs> I swear he says that. Dun, 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 um, but like, like next week, the Jack Bauer stuff is kind of pointless, but it's like, it's tension filled because you want to know what's at Sector 7G and it's like, it leads, it keeps leading to things and it's, you know, but the thing I will say with the Teddy thing is like, it goes back to what I was saying with um, the Kim storyline, how it's like, oh, we've got to tie in Dan from earlier in the season with a brother. So they're yeah. going to now be like, Oh, remember early in the season when we said Jack, you know, ratted out some dirty agents? Let's bring that back randomly. And, like, you do it for one episode. Like, it's... I see what they're doing, but they do it badly. Like, they just... They don't do it well. Yeah. And you know what else? Like, you mentioned, like, Simpsons with Sector 7G. There's another (laughs) sitcom that I I found uh, very similar to this. Uh, have you ever watched Seinfeld or I mean, even if you haven't, you're probably familiar with a million things of Seinfeld. Yeah, It's one of those shows that I've tried to watch and I just don't get it. Okay. Well, Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Knight, who played the character Newman, are you yeah, familiar yeah. with his character? Newman. Teddy Hanlon yeah. is just Jack's Newman. Hello, Teddy. <laughs> like That's what he is. He's Oh, Teddy again. Okay. This is my foil. They just have this bitter rivalry and can't stand each other. It's just bad. Also, I want to call out Jack for being a bad agent here too. So the previous week we had is so this week he could at least be pretending. We know he's got to get this guy. He's got to figure out, he's got to follow the clues, right? So he finds a guy in the red baseball hat as an agent. Shouldn't he have enough discretion to know how he would approach this guy instead of going up to him, waving a briefcase in the air and going, Hey, <laughs> That's how you get it. in a, the crowded place of Los Angeles. Hey, here's a briefcase. You see me? I'm here. I'm the guy you're looking for. Yeah, so you know, you, are you a terrorist? Are you trying to do something? Karma? You in the red hat? Is it you? Are you the Excuse guy? Excuse me. Excuse me. I've seen three people with red hats. I need to find the terrorist. Which one of you is the terrorist? <laughs> I've got bearer bonds for the one who is willing to admit they're the terrorist. <laughs> and again, this is in like, well, it was filmed, I guess, before 9-11. Well, actually, no, it probably would have been filmed after 9-11. This would have been after, point. yeah. So, like, I mean, again, this is barely after 9-11. You mentioned the word terrorist. Everyone's running to the hills. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like this is—you had powder on you in like 2002. Everyone fucking shat themselves. Like anybody with like a any headwear back then with a beard. Ah! I forget that. Man, there's there's a reason why 20 years later we can't take toothpaste on an airplane. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got Jesus. you got a suspicious briefcase, and you're approaching a man with a red hat going, "Hey, <laughs> Jack's taken down by mall secure. Paul Blart Mall Cop is taking out Jack here." And we live in a world where a 747 was blown up over the Mojave Desert like 12 hours ago and no one cares. Come on. Except for, the, well, they're checking the passenger list still. Oh, you're checking the passenger list. Like how many years removed is it from that Malaysian one that went missing in the bloody water and we're still talking about that. Fucking 747 gets blown up over the US. Oh, but as long as the presidential candidate doesn't get shot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> priorities. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Um, that's about it. So, um, we've done, done this episode quite shortly. Shortly, haven't we? Um, Short, shortly. Tr- the trivia for this, the only trivia, uh, says here, Sherry's on the phone talking about being happy with the New York showings. These are primary elections. Each state holds them on different dates. As the show specifically says the day of the California presidential primary election, we know it's the first <laughs> week or so in June. However, the New York primary would have been in April. 
Well, yeah, wait, thanks, no. trivia. <laughs> hold, hold on a second. Uh, I never even thought about that. Like they, they say, oh yeah, the polls out east are going to close. This is a California primary. Why are people in New York voting on the California primary? Well, no, it's Super Tuesday, so like Super Tuesday. Oh, there's multiples. Poll. Yeah, multiple states. So they're getting the numbers in from New York, and they're looking good. Um, yeah. So which, which again, like nitpick, nitpick, nitpick. But like. If this is Super Tuesday, he's out doing press conferences everywhere and he's not just thumbing his thumbs around, looking at tapes, talking to his Keith. They're, like, glued to the television. Like, yeah, they're like, exactly. Holy fuck, like, New York, we've gotten the votes in New York. Like, this is one step closer to getting... He doesn't, like, is he just so blasé? Oh. Like, I'm telling you now, Palmer's racist. Palmer is literally like, I'm black, I'm getting the nomination, I don't have to worry about anything. That's He's racist. He's racist. I just figured out that's why Keith's watching the tube. He's following there the results. <laughs> At least one. Is. Well, that's what Nicole's doing. Nicole shows up next week with the, like the <laughs> third time in nineteen episodes. So, whose know? job is it to watch these results for Palmer? Was that Elizabeth's job? Is that Patty's job? It's Patty. Is that let's C- be Carl's job? Is Carl? It, it, what, what on paper? Carl is just the guy who calls him. New York is looking good. <laughs> um, and like, doesn't he then have to do a press conference anyway to be like, "Thanks, New York. I'm really yeah, appreciative exactly. of your numbers." Like, it's not. There's no Twitter back then. So um, just quickly, I will say the guy who plays Teddy is a guy called Kirk Boltz, has been in Reservoir Dogs, was in Face Off, apparently. Re- Tarantino directed this man? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently he was in, he played the esteemed uh, Aldo in Face Off. I don't remember us talking Aldo. about Aldo. Yeah, so. Um, I bet you he has a big dong too. No, he doesn't. He has a little dong. Really, really <laughs> little dong. Um, I'm intrigued to see what you're going to do with this episode. I'll, I'll say it right now. I'm renting it. Like, I, I'm not going to buy it. Like, I don't think it's brilliant. But, like, there's enough in this episode for me that is a vast improvement over the last couple of weeks that I, the Palmer stuff alone would sell this for me. And I'm not as down on the Jack stuff. Like, yeah, the Terry and Kim stuff is ridiculously stupid and I don't really want to talk about it anymore. But there's enough in this for me with the Palmer stuff in particular and I don't mind the Jack stuff that it's it's a solid rent. For Ben Waterworth. The Kim stuff is just intolerable. Uh, the Terry stuff shouldn't even be there. The Jack stuff is kind of ruined by being a standalone episode and really ruined by Teddy Hanlon. Uh, the Sherry stuff bumps it up to be maybe my highest bin yet. Oh, so wow. I'm, I'm, bin, I'm binning it because it is garbage. It is complete garbage, but it's enjoyable garbage. <laughs> so. Three. Three episodes in a row where we've disagreed. That's interesting. Well, I think. Well, you try to get on the same page (laughs) next week, Ben. Try to get on the same page. So, in terms of ranking this episode, um, this is again where it's hard. I'm looking at five different rents here. Um, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. That was fairly recent. What was that episode? Um, Jesus. Uh, (laughs) That one, yeah. Uh, we, we know put, our rankings are all going to change at the end of the season. I'm going to put this just above whatever episode 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. was. So, yeah. I, well, that's funny because I've Number got this 12. just below. I've got this just below my 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, which I had one, it number. Uh, did I? I thought I rented it. Let me see. Oh, I can't remember. I've got the wrong screen open. Yeah. I rented. I think. Okay. Good but, you, you know, I'm going to bin it now just because. <laughs> no. Uh, so I've got this at number 14 overall. So a number 12 for me and number 14 for you. Okay, well, good for us. We're, cl- we're close. We just slightly disagree. Yes, exactly. Uh, so next week, it is 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., our last hour of daylight. 
Because, again, in the world of 24, it gets dark pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> Especially in the summer. <laughs> I, like, there's the, the Palmer drama stuff in next week is actually really good. I, the, the, this dinner scene, which, again, I'll, I'll slightly nominate for, you know, but I, it won't make it because, again, there's let alone, there's three scenes in the final episode that will make the top five. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's great. Uh, the Palmer press conference is great. The Jack and Mason stuff is kind of pointless, but it's kind of almost tension-filled enough that I enjoy it. And there's a bit of action with Terry, you know? It's kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, the last scene is, at least. Um, and the Kim stuff, well, you know, there's a drug deal going down and some drama. So, But, no, I think the Palmer stuff next week alone is, is a, makes this a really, like, as I, said, as I said multiple times this episode, it gets me wet for the rest of the season yeah. because it's really building it up to this crescendo that the final six episodes will bring. Uh, so I, I didn't, sometimes I start the first five minutes of the next episode just to kind of give me an idea where we're going. I did none of that. Um, I, I'm glad that you said earlier on that this sort of is where it starts to build to things because uh, this, I just looking over what next episode is every single storyline does progress for the first time in who knows how long. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we have the press conference. Uh, we have Kim. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got Terry and, and uh, you know some some action in there. Uh, and yeah, I think I, I can't tell you whether I love this episode or don't uh, don't love it or in the middle, whatever, because I don't really remember what my feelings are on it. But I remember everything that happens in this episode. So we'll have to see if this is. I think it was, what was it episode 13 where we were both like, oh, this was a great episode. Then we watched it and we're like, ah, I remember it being better than that. Maybe yeah. this is it. Well, we'll, we'll soon wait and see. Um, we'll be back next week for that. You know what to do with all the liking and stuff. And if you don't, you'll hear me say it in a minute. Same with the Patreon. Uh, but yeah, we're getting, we're getting closer and closer to a very exciting last few weeks of the first season of 24. My name is Ben, and yeah, I went to two foster homes, but I just got a um, scholarship to Stanford. So, good. Uh, I'm choking. Good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Something's in my throat. I'm dying. <laughs> I've got the corona. <clears throat> uh, and my name is Colin, and I grew up in a foster home, and I uh, just got a scholarship to Sector 7G. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>